I'm going to ask that we all bow our heads in prayer. Just start rattling off all the bad things I've done until you get tired of hearing about them or what? I'm going to talk to you about the judge of the fatherless. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't mean to be so difficult, Mrs. Cleaver. It's just that he's at the age where he doesn't realize how important it is to keep a promise. Which Bible stories you want to hear? He's just a Sunday school. Thanks, Dad. Welcome back to the Faith of the Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, here to reignite the faith of our fathers. And if you didn't know, our country has been stolen again. And apparently we've had rigged elections for many years, at least since I started voting. My, the first person that I thought I voted for was George W. Bush, and maybe my vote had a higher percentage uh, back then. Now the gloves have come off. They're not even hiding it. They're cheating in broad daylight. And I'm angry about that. And I hope that you are too. But the Bible does say that uh, we are to be angry and not to sin. So what are we supposed to do with our anger? And I want to say, if you don't know that our elections are stolen, if you are, if you are still in doubt about that, I just want to strongly urge you to get off of YouTube and Facebook as your, as your place of getting information. You need to get onto Gab, you need to get onto Truth Social, you need to get onto Rumble to find out what's actually happening in our country, um, because it is being stolen before our very eyes. And uh, so this is the second time it's happened. In broad daylight, people stuffing ballot boxes, people uh, gaming the system, just flagrant violations, and it's not even, it's not even, uh, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. And it reminds me of a Dilbert comic strip that I saw uh, several years ago, many years ago, uh, where um, I think it's Wally it demands from the human resources department. He knows that human resources is lying to him, and he says, but you don't even respect me enough to give me a plausible lie, and all he demands is a plausible lie. We're kind of in that place. It's just we've just reached a level of absurdity uh, that is incomprehensible. We are being lied to left and right, and it even, it's even causing people's death because we've been lied to about the vaccine among many other things. There are many people who are angry, but there are also many people who think that Christians are not angry enough. They're asking, why aren't we like Brazil? Brazil is having the same problems that we're having, and look what they're doing. So if you're listening, I just showed a clip of, of millions and millions of, I have no idea how many it is, it looks like countless uh, people from a Brazilian, we could say, a Brazilian people who are um, protesting the rigged elections there in Brazil. And it looks like um, they're going to be entering martial law, that the, um, the current uh, president is um, 
nullifying the election because it cannot be validated as being legitimate. So praise God for that. I pray that that um, is that that wrong is made right without bloodshed, without things getting any uglier than they already are. But I'm I'm thankful, and I praise God that those people that the people of Brazil are not ro- rolling over. They're not taking this, and that's the way it should be. And many people are saying, "Where are the Americans?" Um, so. One of the things I can say about where are the Americans uh, is we did show up in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, the protest, and now hundreds of us are sitting in jail uh, without a trial, being tortured. Uh, some of them, have, some of our fellow patriots and brothers and sisters in Christ have been in prison for over 600 days without a trial. So that's one of the things that has happened. But some people still say we should be out protesting in the streets because look at Brazil and now look at what's happening in Arizona where in broad daylight the election was being stolen over multiple days and everybody knows it. And this is the protest that we see. So there are some things I want to say about this. You know, culturally speaking, when you lead worship in different cultures, cultural contexts, people react differently. In Africa, you can hardly sing without people dancing. That doesn't necessarily show that their zeal is any more genuine than ours is. I do think it says something about you. Body language means a lot. In the Western world, we just don't move that much. We're more reserved. We're more, I guess it's our British heritage. But we just tend to be less emotional in our responses to things. We're also a people of law and order. We're used to a system working. And so I think many people are still in a daze. Many people are still in denial. And we expect our system to work because we have trusted trusted it, believed in it for so long. But also we're a people of law and order. Uh, and so we want to do things the right way. We want to do them by the book. Uh, and unfortunately, the difficulty is right now the books are being ignored. Black letter law is being ignored. Um, and so you can appeal to the law, but when the judges and uh, people in power totally ignore the law and make up things on the spot when they do illegal things, including murdering people, yes, I believe murder has taken place multiple times in these elections in order to hide things, um, that uh, you know the law does very little good. We believe in the Constitution. We love the Constitution. I believe the Constitution is an amazing, uh, it's an amazing piece of work, and I cherish it, and I think we should preserve it. But law written on paper does not help us when our hearts are wrong. We need the law of God written in our hearts, and that's why, you know, my passion, my dro- drive, my focus is for revival because I can scream and shout and pull out my hair and. Uh, demand, you know, do all my power to get the political world, political world to do what's right. But I am only, I only have so much power to make that happen. And what happens when you run out of options in the, in the world uh, of the physical world? What happens when we can't make people abide by the law? What do we do next? So here's an, an example of a guy in Arizona speaking to the county commissioners there or Board of Elections, um, not exactly sure who, who that is, but they were responsible for the 
uh, debacle, um, which was not, I don't say debacle as if it was an honest mistake. It was obviously intentional. Um, and they're responding to the way they handled this past election. This is how one man responded. Good morning. Once again, the eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here and we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. Thank you. Part of me is happy with this man. I'm glad that he was there. I'm glad that he spoke up. I'm glad he shared what was on his heart. It is right for this man to be angry. But this man is also filled with rage. And Christians are not allowed to be like that. Uh, if we do, if we are like that, we'll be a bad witness and it will consume us. Um, Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. Or uh, another translation, the New American Standard says, Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. It's not wrong to be angry. It is wrong if you never get angry because anger is like pain. Pain is a gift because pain tells you that there's something wrong and it needs to be addressed. Anger is like that. Anger, the fact that we feel angry about something is a signal to our soul that something wrong happened and we should respond to it. So anger is not a bad thing in itself, but anger is held on to is something that becomes a poison in our body, and uh, it will lead us to sin. Uh, because James 1.20 says, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God, this is oftentimes um, misunderstood in the church, widely misunderstood. The righteousness of God isn't simply God's morality. Uh, the righteousness of God is is a technical term for fulfilling a covenant. God said to Abraham, in you and in your family, I'm going to bless all nations. I am just going to do it. So God made an agreement with the people of Abraham, the children of Abraham, I'm going to heal the world through you, period. That's the contract that he signed. The question that Israel had as it waited for God to fulfill his promise is how, especially when Israel realized that she was part of the problem. Israel was also in Adam, and that's why Israel, without 
the help of Yahweh was never going to solve the problems of evil in the world, the problem of evil in the world. God was going to have to do it. How was he going to do it? Ultimately, his answer was, I'm going to do it myself in the person of Jesus. Jesus, the faithful Israelite, went to the cross bearing all the failing and suffering and corruption of the world on himself. He put that world to death on the cross in his own body, and God raised him from the dead. So God has blessed all the nations in the seed of Abraham through the one faithful Israelite, Jesus. Jesus is the righteousness of God, meaning that Jesus is God's fulfillment of his promise. Jesus did what God promised he would do. God promised, I'm going to fix the world. I'm going to bless all nations. All nations were cursed in Adam. All nations will be blessed in Abraham. All nations are blessed in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant. Jesus is the righteousness of God. One of the main struggles that the disciples had as Jesus came announcing that the kingdom of God is arriving, Jesus is saying, this is it. This is what you're waiting for. The world is being made right right here, right now, in and through me. And the disciples often expected Jesus to act a certain way if he was going to if he was going to right the wrongs in the world. We all have our ideas of how things should be made right, and oftentimes it has something to do with us getting vengeance on those who we feel have wronged us. And Jesus steadfastly said no to that. Jesus came to take on all of our failings on himself on the cross. And so many of the conversations between the disciples and the Israelites have to do or the disciples and and Jesus, I should say, have to do with how does God make things right. James makes it very clear that God's righteousness, God setting the world right, does not happen through man's anger. And why is this important? Because while Jesus has completed the righteousness of God, Jesus has done the work, the world is made new in Jesus, It is God's desire and has been from day one of creation that the human race would be part of God's ruling and reigning in the world. So, in a sense, we could say, well, it doesn't matter if man's anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God because Jesus already brought about the righteousness of God, so we don't have to. It doesn't work like that because God wants you and he wants me to be part of putting the world right. As C.S. Lewis said in the Chronicles of Narnia, through the voice of Aslan, he said, Narnia was never made right unless a son of Adam and a daughter of Eve were on the throne. And God made the world so that it would be governed by you and I. Therefore, while Jesus has become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, he has done, he has won the war. He has left battles for you and I to be part of. And he says clearly through his apostle James that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So if we want to be in agreement with Jesus, if we want to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and rather another, maybe a better way to say that is, if we want to see the reality of the lordship of Jesus right here and right now, we have to cooperate with Jesus and the way his kingdom functions. It clearly does not function through the anger of man. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have anger. As I mentioned before, we should have anger because anger is a signal to our soul that something is wrong and we should respond to it. So now I want to show you some people in Arizona and uh, who 
also confronted the Board of Elections, the county commissioners, whoever these corrupt Arizona officials are, and they speak truth to power in a Christian way. And I love the way they respond to it, and I think that this is an exemplary. And so I want to share it with you now. Mr. Gallardo, you are the most corrupt man on this board. This entire board is corrupt. You need to be replaced. You should not be representing us. You know it. I know it. And the American people know it. We're done with your nonsense. It's time to get some real men in here. This is the epitome of weak, corrupt men. You five up here. God bless you. Have a good day. Phoenix's bulk trash pickup is weeks behind, and it works better than this. How many tax dollars from the future did Bill Gates cost the state of Arizona? Thank you. So, unfortunately, there's a lot of unethical behavior going on here, and you all will have to answer to a higher authority. It's just a matter of time. So I want you to to, uh, understand one thing from the Bible. Beware, your sins will find you out. There are going to be some serious investigations. I would suggest that you get ahead of the curve, turn yourself over to state's evidence. Your time is up, sir. Thank you for joining Thank you, us. and come clean. The mama bears are not going to take it. We're going to stand up to you. Um, there were hundreds and maybe even thousands of voters disenfranchised because of your failures and mismanagements of this election. You need to resign. You need to resign today. And I pray that God is going to convict your heart for what you've done. And I pray that you would speak the truth and you will do what's ethical and what's just. And let me just leave you with this. Proverbs 11.1 states, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. The Lord knows what you've done. The only option is nullification, revote, and a hand count. Let me repeat so I'm clear nullification, revote, and a hand count. I would ask you to confess and repent. And may the consequences of your actions be on your heads. I warn you and I caution you. We got a big God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Mr. Many people today like to bring up many people on the right who are angry, and like I said, rightfully so, about all that's going wrong in our country, all that has gone wrong, all the corruption. We like to point to Jesus and we say, remember, Jesus made a whip, drove people out of the temple, and flipped over tables. And that is true. Jesus did that. He did it as a symbolic action, which I think is the main point of it. He was declaring that the judgment of God was going to fall on the temple because the temple system had become corrupt. I don't think Jesus was laying out for us a pattern that the way to um, the way to right wrongs is to grab a whip and whip your enemies out of the temple necessarily. I do think there is a time for um, for the proper use, the po- proper application of force, but it's never meant to be in a form of um, vengeance. It's meant to be in a form of making things right, making things just, making things righteous. There is a wrath of God, but the wrath is against sin. And I think that what these people did as they, this on the second video, as they confronted their, uh, these corrupt officials, they spoke truth to them, they spoke truth to power, and they warned them um, about the wrath to come. But they pointed out the sin of what they were doing. They weren't saying, you people are worthless. Because God loved you and I 
even while we were still sinners, that none of us are saved because we were good people. None of us got saved. You're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, you're not one because you were a little bit better than your neighbor. The only reason you're a Christian is because you recognized that you are a sinner in need of the blood of Jesus. And when we see corrupt officials, we need to remember that God loves them. He doesn't love their corruption. He doesn't love their sin. That's what God hates. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died bearing sin. It was God's wrath against sin that was so violent on the cross. God took out his wrath against sin, but he does not take out his wrath against humans because humans are made in his image and it's his desire to redeem them. The only time humans suffer the wrath of God is when they won't let go of sin, when we identify with the sin. And that's what it is right and proper to warn corrupt officials saying, you are holding on to something God hates. He's going to destroy that sin. And if you're holding on to it, you're going to be destroyed with it. But the anger of God is not directed at those humans because it's his desire to rescue him, as the scriptures say. And it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so it is right and proper to be angry, but let's be angry at the sin, not at the sinner. We will never see a revival if we don't pray for our enemies, if we don't love those who hate us. Just recently, I was listening to a podcast my brother sent me about a woman who was uh, an astrologist. She was Her name is Angela Akuli, I think. I'm not sure how you say that last name, but she was on the Michael Knowles show on the Daily Wire, and she was just sharing her testimony. She was a Bernie Sanders, Trump-hating, flaming liberal uh, a year ago, and since that time, her life began to unravel, and she began to search for the truth, and she is now a dedicated follower of Jesus, and just a beautiful heart for Jesus, um, and it's clearly evident. We need to remember that all of us were sinners. All of us were enemies of God. All of us were under the wrath of God until we came into repentance. And so, if you are sitting there today thinking that you're better than other people and that you're, you have a right just cause to hate other people, know that you are in sin and it's time to repent because you're not going to be part of revival. You're not going to be part of the righteousness of God while you're holding on to man's anger. God is just. Let's leave the vengeance to him. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. All right, God bless you guys. I'll see you next time.